It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We are back. This is the Flowtrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show on YouTube. You can listen to the pod wherever you get your audio podcast. We start today with the question that everybody wants an answer to. Gordon, is track season over? Track season is over. It is over. Saturday was the actual final day. No more track. If you're running track right now, it doesn't count. We're not going to look at it. Doesn't it's not real until December first. The only thing we're looking at now is people running on grass and people running on pavement, roads and cross country. This track mm-hmm. is officially done for 2021. We got through it, and uh, we got through it without too many like uh, COVID like scratches. I mean, the only big COVID scratch I could think of was Sam Kendricks in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But outside of that. Everyone that wanted to run ran, and it wasn't like a ooh, watered down event here or there. So we got through it, which was pretty cool. No major meets were canceled as well, too. We didn't resort to any garden clashes like we had to do in 2020. We didn't need to see La Villanie's backyard, which has a beautiful backyard, by the way, but I was ready in 2021 to see actual track and and the nairobi meet was was a pretty good finish to 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 the season because we knew the times and the distances weren't going to be sparkling because of altitude we knew a lot of people had packed it in but we have at least two really interesting results to talk about on the men's sprint side we'll start first here with the men's hundred gordon where trayvon bromel goes out and gets a pb in his last meet of the season 9.76 just edging ferdinand Omanyala, who has an incredible race himself of Kenya, running at home, goes 9.77. Gatlin in third there in, in 10.01. Trayvon Bromel's 2021 season just contained multitudes. There were ups, there were downs, there were crazy fast times, there were unpredictable races where he went slower than we thought. So in a way, this is almost fitting that he drops a world lead and, and a PB in his last time out. Yeah, and it's it's fitting and unfitting at the same time, right? Because you're trying to wrap your head around it, right? We're trying to wrap our head around this is the Trayvon we thought we would have for the entire year based on how the season started. But, you know, there's a lot of like what if right now on your mind about Trayvon's season, right? Because if you look at putting this graphic up, if you look at the start of his season, he was undefeated. Look at all those first places. 
He was mm-hmm. undefeated all the way through the Olympic trials. And then he just became a fifth, fourth, third, fourth, third. Like, he just kind of mm-hmm. went up to obscurity. With running some, you know, solid times, but nothing great like his nine sevens. And then he ends up with a, a new PB. It's just incredible. The resilience that he had to to keep chugging away and get himself back into shape or whatever it was. Because I know he was dealing with a a slight injury that was really visible in the Monaco race. And then obviously him not making the Olympic final was the ultimate sign that he wasn't 100%. Because Trayvon Rowell should be in an Olympic final based on who he is. Um, So funny little tweet here. Trayvon tweeted out, growing up, me and my coach was at a meet and asked one of track and field's previous world record holders for an autograph. He looked at us and kept it moving. I made a promise to never do that. I never forgot that moment. Uh, for those of you who are not, are not watching, there's a picture of a, a guy in, a, in the stands at Nairobi holding a sign that says, Trayvon Bromel, please was it, kindly, give, kindly give me your spikes. And then the other picture is then him holding up Trayvon Bromel's spike so great gesture by by Trayvon and for those of you who are you know altitude and wind and all this other stuff Gordon Gordon ran the numbers on the altitude so what's the 9.76 convert to it's equivalent to 981 at sea level still fast so it's still fast still, 981 is yeah. still pretty fast yeah. yeah I think people would look at Bromel and you look at Omanyala right there who's run some fast times this year but wasn't a medalist and say oh okay well this is all just this is all just the byproduct of altitude, which is gonna gonna speed things up. That's not that's not a mystery. There's no denying that. But still, 981 closing with a 981 is is a good showing for him. And yeah. it comes after I thought his outside of the Olympics, which was just tough to figure out. I thought his worst post Olympic race was Zagreb, the last one we had. He just never looked like he was in it. He had finished farther back, but those were against deeper fields, and he was really competitive and losing some. Some close races and, and a tenth back or a hundredth or two back from you know, finishing second or even getting wins. But Zagreb was the one where he he looked like he was really just a more of a non, you know a non factor. Bracey blew him, out, blew him out of the water, and, and Ronnie Baker beat him as well too. So then to come back from that all the way to this with a PB, that's that's momentum going into the back half. Yeah, it's. I mean, Trayvon has tweeted out he's trying to figure out how to race internationally because mm-hmm. it is a, a unique process, right? You're getting on a plane, and then you only only have, like, 24 hours until your, your race. It's only one race, right? There's no prelims, so you just got to be ready for that moment. And the entire time you've just been sitting in a hotel waiting to go, it just can kind of mess with your, your feng shui, I guess, especially in a sprint event. Like, I feel like in distance events – like a 1500 5k whatever you take the first few laps to kind of get used to it settle into the pace and get ready to go for that final you can't settle in in a sprint so you have to be ready to go from the gun and uh it's kind of hard to do that international when you're traveling all over the place um in an unfamiliar environment you know it's a different meal right you're eating what the hotel provides so it's mm-hmm. all over the place so for him to end the season well not only Happy for Bromel. He got back to his nine, seven days. But this entire time, we've been having a discussion. Can he be Andre DeGrasse, Fred Curley? <laughs> I forget. We decided that. I think I decided that it's going to be a tie between Curley and DeGrasse and they're sharing the cup. 
you decided to give it to Degrasse. But mm. now, do I need to give Bromel like a back in the category? Do I need to give him a nomination again and reconsider? It's going to be hard because you can't really give you can't really give best sprinter of the year to Bromel for the same reason you can't give it to Lamont to Jacobs of Italy. Because mm-hmm. while Jacobs does have his Olympic gold, it's like one race. Mm-hmm. Same thing with kind of Bromel. Bromel does have top times, but it feels like it's only just a few races. He hasn't won enough about head-to-head against DeGrasse and against Curley. Um, he did it earlier in the year, Yeah, then it closed. And, you know, you should wait, I guess, later in the season more than what you do in an April Florida track meet. So, mm-hmm. um, you Romel, though, he's going to be in my top. He's going to be in my top five now. I have to put him in my top five. I feel like these results post Olympics have just been designed for maximum confusion going into 2022. They heard your rankings, your preliminary rankings, and everybody just decided to put up really unpredictable results for three or four meets in a row just to screw with your rankings. Because between the DeGrasse false start and then he wins, but it's over 10 seconds. Romel looking like he's not in the top three, but then he goes and runs a nine, seven, six. Like, how are you supposed to read anything into these results? It's really, really hard. I want to touch on one point, though. You brought up Romel getting experience racing in Europe. One thing he said he needs more of. Guess what he doesn't need at all to succeed in 2022? Success in Europe. (laughs) Yeah, literally does not need to leave the United States if he doesn't want to, because he's just got to go to trials and he's got to go to world championships. He could just stay in the state of Oregon. He needs a lot of experience in the state of Oregon um, to, to thrive in, in 2022. Uh, also in this race was Justin Gatlin. He got third, ran 10.03. And there were rumors that um, his 10 that this was going to be his final race. We thought it was going to be in Switzerland, but then he signed up for this 100 in Kenya, uh, and he's quoted saying that he has yet to officially retire, basically. He is leaving the door open for a return in 2022, something that originally he planned on never even considering, right? He was planning on retiring in 2020 for the Olympics. Makes sense to push it to 2021 because of pandemic. But now he's basically planning on adding three years, I guess two extra years to his career because of the pandemic and because now he's like, yeah, hey, I'll do one more. So yeah. do you think this is a good move? Do you think he has enough to be relevant in 2022 to kind of end his career on a high note? Or do you think this is the best he's going to get for where his body's at? You know, again, he's going to be 40 next year. So listen, he ran this year, some nine nines. I think he can get back to nine nines next year. I think he's coming back. I think he's coming back. Yeah. Barring blows a hammy out in training or something in, in December. I think he's going to come back. Yeah. Because if you're going to retire, you're going to retire now. I think his desire to compete at a home world championships is only going to increase during the offseason. He's going to look back at that trials race and he's going to say, hey, I could, I could, I could have qualified. I could at least get in the relay pool. I think he wants one more team usa experience and maybe for him that's the goal i don't think he'd ever say it publicly hey i'm just here to get in the relay pool but i think that that's a realistic possibility working himself into the final and getting on the relay team and also hey we talked about before breaking 10 at the age of 40 that might appeal to him as well too 
you put the over under on this one at 10. You thought the success would be sub 10. You got pretty close to it. 10.03. Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense for them to keep going. That's the thing with elite athletes. They never feel like it's over. They're just yeah. like, hey, I just need one more good training session and I'll be ready to go again. Because they've had the experience of being a 9.8, 9.7 type guy, right? So they've, they lived that world. So they think they can always get back to it. And uh, it's just wild that. He was so ready to retire in 2020, and now he's going to yeah. go all the way through 2022. It's just kind of crazy how that works. Yeah, I would be. I would be surprised. I would be surprised. I just think the longer you go without making a decision, there's always just one more me, one more me. And listen, we had our. I had that proposed top seven last year, or for next year, if Coleman runs. This is the U.S. Champs final seven. Potential. Bracey, Coleman, Curley, Lyles, Baker, Bromel, Bednarik. You throw Gatlin in there. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty star-studded, right? I don't, not yeah. to say that's going to be the eight. That may only end up being half those guys that actually end up being in that final. But it just adds another name in there. And if you said, hey, Gatlin's going to, if, would it surprise you if Gatlin ran 995 next year and got six that U.S. says? Is that anywhere near the realm of surprising? It's not for me. No, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense in a way. Let's clip yeah. that. We'll save this for uh, next year. And he runs 995 <laughs> and gets sixth. <laughs> like the Devin Allen sub 13 clip. Just, it should yeah. live on forever. Like, I think he's going to do that. Cut the part where we said what year. Just put it right before he did it in uh, in, in Europe. Uh, Omanyala, we should mention again, too, breaks the his own African record. We talked about him a little bit earlier in the season. We brought up his progression. So he moves to number eight all time there. With the 977. Remember, you get under 980, it's an elite club. Bolt spoiled us. And before him, Asafa Powell ran a lot of times under 980 as well, too, to make it seem like something that's a 97 is common. It's not. It's not. So he's number eight all time. If we pull up that that progression list, um, I remember you were talking about it last time, just the, the big jumps that he's had um, in Omanyala's career. Ran pretty well in the the Olympics, right? But he, you know, he's a 10-3 guy in 2020, 1047 in in 2019. Came to track and field late. Definitely an interesting story and someone to watch uh, next year for sure. Yeah, same place, 1032, and then in the same venue, he drops his time by like half a second. It's wild. 1032 to 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 977. Um and he was right there with Bromel the entire time. Like, he kept it honest. He started catching up on him. You see them in the yeah. lane five. So if that if that race was like 120 meters, he probably gets Bromel there. So mm -hmm. it's wild. You know, we, we so many times kind of we just say it's a certain type of country. This is what you're good at, right? You know, like mm -hmm. Ethiopia, distance, Kenya, distance, Jamaica, sprints, right? But ever so often, you kind of find these athletes who come from a one-sided type country with we all focus on this one type of event. And you have mm -hmm. breakouts, you know, like you like Natoya Gould in the 800, uh, Kamoy yeah. Campbell in the, for Jamaica and the, the longer stuff. And then now you have a Kenyan sprinter who's running a time that's not just good for the era, but it's good for the all-time marks. I mean, it's number eight all-time right there behind... Look at the names. I mean, look at the names he's behind. Bolt, Gay, Blake, Powell, 
Gatlin, Coleman, and Bromel, and then him. Yeah. So yeah. like, he's in good company with uh, mm. all-time greats. I mean, the and question the, the is, Cliff Notes. Go ahead. No, you go. What's the Cliff Notes? I was just say the Cliff Notes. If you're wondering why, I mean, you heard of him. He was he was he came to track in 2016 from rugby. Started out as a r- rugby player, but then he got suspended for doping for methamethasone in 2017 and was out for 14 months. So that kept him out until 18 from formal racing. So if you're like, hey, who is this guy? Where did he come from? That's basically the the the, the, the his career has been five years at this point, basically. 25 years old. You think he'll be able to uh, convince other Kenyan rugby players to see there might be a, an avenue for you in sprinting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Olympics, you know, he ran that, that didn't get to the final, but ran that 10 flat, which is, is tough to run 10 flat in a semi and, and not make it. Would have been interesting to see him in the, in the final. But yeah, ran 10 low the whole year. And then the 977. Again, altitude and the wind helped. They had a plus 1.2 behind him, um, but still would have equated for him. Well, you said Bromel was 981, so Almanyala would have been 982, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, if you even if you want to adjust the, the terms there, it's a it's a PB by by any measure. 986 was his, was his record and the African record previously they did in the middle of August. Let's go to this 200. Let's go as 200, where he had another PR fall, and it was from Fred Curley, 19.76. Gordon drops his 200-meter time, which means you can update that points chart all-time combo sprinter one, two, and four because he gets his mark down to 19.76. What do you think about Fred's finale? Uh, another another solid one, P- plus 2.0 win, just barely legal, right? You got the... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ma- magic number track one to make sure, like, hey, it's two point one. Let's round it down so we can get a legal mark here for these boys on the track. No, I don't. There's nothing fishing going on there. But what I'm saying is, uh, 1976, great mark. Um, it's now become expected that he's going to be in that 198 to 197 range moving forward. He's mm-hmm. figured out how to run the turn in the 200. That was like his kind of kryptonite in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, just how to get his big body around that curve. He's figured it out. So he's able to match his raw talent with his speed to now the execution in the two. And that results in him being able to be a, a consistent 19, guy. And you got to think like Curly now isn't going to wait. Curly was a long shot to make the 200 meter team last year, but I think now Curly has become more of a, a favorite to make the 200 team this mm-hmm. year. So, I mean, this year as in 2022, um, yeah. he just needed, he just needed a full season of learning the two to figure it out. So now he'll be more prepared at the U S champs to kind of be a consistent one, two guy. Um, but he does still say once around the 400, I'm just not sure when that's happening. Uh, he's mm-hmm. already, he tweeted out, you know, he wants to run 42 seconds, but he's only running twos yeah. and ones. So. You look at this tweet, just his, his uh, season's best, 984, mm-hmm. 1976, and 44.6, his season's best. Um, even though, so 
Look at his. He updated his profile picture. Show, show his profile picture, Travis. Let's show this. Look at this. Oh, that's this cool. It. Yeah, this is him in uh, in Kenya. They were like, I don't know what that was for, but they were like, maybe doing some ceremony, giving him uh, some Kenyan garb. He's holding like a stick and he has like a outfit on. He looks badass in that. So I like the look. You you look at this time. Right. And then you look at all the variables because track people are going to pick it apart and they're going to look at the altitude. You're going to look at the plus 2.0. But I also look at the fact that Hurley made himself available for this PB. He didn't need to be racing still six weeks after the Olympics. He didn't need to fly to a different continent to run this time. So I think he was rewarded for his persistence here and his willingness to just compete and compete and compete in 2021. You know, plus 2.0 with the wind. You don't have any control of the weather, but you're more likely to get favorable conditions if you race a bunch, which is what he did. I looked it up. He's he's raced finals this year between one, two, and four, Gordon, 22 times. So 22 finals. So that doesn't even include all the semis that he's run. He's raced in 11 different countries. I don't know if he's going to have his own show on the travel channel after this is all done, but he's just been everywhere, and especially post-Olympics. Like, look at where he's gone post Olympics. I mean that he's hitting the Diamond Leagues, he's hitting the Continental Tours. This was a thorough season, like a very complete and deep season for Fred Curley in terms of PBs, in terms of willingness to compete with everybody out there and to push those PBs down. So I mean, I think it's it's only appropriate that he was rewarded for his consistency with this PB, with this 19 76. It made sense, right? Because you and I were looking, okay, he runs 100 in this, he runs a 400 in this. His 200 is going to eventually click. And then we were talking to, I remember during the trials, we were talking to Serenity Douglas about just the challenge that the 200 presents to both 400 meter runners and 100 meter runners. It's a different beast entirely. And he was able to figure it out and run more consistently in the two. And then he was able to start dropping those times, right? So so the 1976, along with the the, the 984, and the 4364 makes him very formidable. I mean, whatever he he's a he's a favorite to make the team and whatever. Like if you saw him on the entries, like if you could fast forward right now to trials and I showed you the entries, he'd be the favorite to make the team in any one of those three. Do, do you agree with me on that? Yeah, 100%. What I think is going to be interesting though about the 2022 trials, they don't call it trials, they call it champs. Um is that because even no maybe not just at USA's but like internationally as well? There's no top dog kind of. I mean, we kind of feel like we know who the top dogs are. Like, but like we're yeah. like, oh, we can say it's between Curly and DeGrasse. But like, there's going to be like five to seven names that yeah. you can argue. I could see that person winning, which is going to make the championship yeah. season that much more entertaining because it's not going to be like Bolt versus everyone else. You know, and not you're talking internationally, you're talking about just in the US, both internationally and the US. The US okay. has its handful, and then internationally, you throw in DeGrasse, Jacobs, uh, a few others, right? My, my, I'm just excited because normally, when there's a lot of parity, that it yeah. means sometimes that the field isn't that good because there's no great athlete to kind of separate yeah. from the field. But this isn't the situation where there's no great athletes to separate from the field. It's just that we have a handful of great athletes now where 
You can see DeGrasse beating Lyles. You can see Lyles beating Bednarik. You can see Curly beating DeGrasse. You can see Bednarik beating Curly. You know, you could just see all this, this guy beating that guy, but also losing that guy. You have It's like eight-way rock, paper, scissors, shoot, right, where <laughs> you could have so many different combinations of who wins and who loses in order. But don't you think some of this will get sorted out in the early part of the season next year outdoors? What do you mean by sorted out? Like someone's going to look a lot better than another? Yeah. Someone will rise and then there'll be a couple people who just look flat or hurt. And then that number will dwindle. I don't want to throw cold water. I like your idea. I like the eight way rock, paper, scissors. It got me thinking about my own strategy, for rock, paper, scissors, because my son's really into playing it and he's got a winning record against me, but I don't, the law of track tells me that, that someone will, will cause it, just take this past year. Who is the favorite in the hundred going into trials? Bromel. Yeah. And that wasn't right close, right? We all thought Bromel would win. Who is the favorite in the two going in trials? I mean, Lyles. I said it was right. Kenny B, but it was Lyles. Right. But, but, but that, that, was, that was a little closer. 400. It was, it was Norman on the men's side. Um, so, but maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe all those people that I mentioned, since they're clearly not, they're not going to go unchallenged now. The chances of somebody rising to that level in the early part of the season is pretty low because we have we have memory of 2021 and we're not going to discount any of the people that we've seen shine shine this year so perhaps you're you're onto something who would you say right now let's redo this real quick men's 100 us favorite to win at usa's next year who's your favorite in this scenario curly runs every event let's put him in every event the sprint events, but but not but not like tired from all the events. He's just no, not tired. Just in I, in a vacuum, in a vacuum, he's you can pick from anybody. Who's the hundred favorite? I think you have to do Curly. Who's the two hundred favorite? That's harder. That's a lot harder. I guess the. I mean, I want to say Kenny B. But I probably should say Noah Lyles. Okay. And at the same Water? time, I'm like, this whole time, maybe it's just Curly. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that one, it's, I, you know what? I don't want to have a favorite. Can we just not have favorite? I mean, we, there, there's times when there's co-favorites, right? No, like, that's fine. I'm just saying right now, if you had to pick about what it's going to look like next year. And then the 400, would you go Cherry or Norman? Or Cherry. Field? I'll do Cherry definitely over Norman. I'll do Cherry okay. over Norman. Yeah, I guess it would be Cherry, Lyles, and Curly would be the, the three favorites. But all I could definitely parlay those three and all of them lose, you know. So Yeah, you because could see it. You could you see, see crazy. Romel, Kenny B, Curly, you know, whatever. So Yeah. Okay. Uh other I mean Christina Boma won. It was north of twenty two seconds, but but she cruised and then Faith Kipiegon had her victory three and three fourths laps there and ran uh, north of like 402, I believe, for, for Faith Kipiegon there on Boma. Not much else to say about Mboma, just been completely dominant post, post-Olympics. Beats Tolu by, by six-tenths there. Um, Saini of Niger was third, 23.3. Um, do you want to move on to, you, you looked at some, what, you got the standards already for 2022? 
and indoors and yeah outdoor, man. man this is crazy this is even by your standards this is well done gordon well, everybody pay so, close attention gordon's gonna take you to school right now so we're just gonna we'll just we'll give a little couple highlights of storylines potentially around chasing a standard so we'll start with let's go to the world indoors let's start with world indoors travis instead of world outdoors because indoors is first so world indoors is in i think march mm -hmm. um Think about world indoor standards. Pretty much everyone and their mom has the standard in the sprint events. Um, the only unique thing is that Grant Holloway has the buy in the 60 hurdles. So we'll get to send three in the 60 hurdles. And I think Geneve Oliver, Genevieve Oliver, Oliver has the buy in the 60. So if you scroll through, uh, there's really going to be no like who doesn't have the standard, who does in the sprint events. In the 60, the 400, or the 60 hurdles. As you can see, everyone and their mom has it. So let's go to the distance events for indoors. I think that's where it's more interesting. All right. Um, it, it, it switched, Travis. It just doesn't highlight. Um, 800, I think, has pretty much everyone that we expect has it. 1500 gets a little dicey, right? You have Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker still have it, but you don't have a Centro, which with it you don't have like a henry win you, you don't have um i can't believe about uh hobbs kessler so there are a few like notable uh trials finalists or mm -hmm. contenders who aren't in the mix right now but right now hawker looks pretty set he has a standard he can just cruise through indoors and be ready to go and then again with the 3k most people have it if you keep scrolling yeah chalimo still has his fisher has it I guess Woody Kincaid is the only notable person without it in the 3K. Um, yeah. Women's, women's uh, distance, I mean, a thing Mo has it, obviously. Kate Grace is the unique one here. She has it in both the 15 and the 8, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what Kate Grace does. You think she probably would think about doing a 15 because you only get two spots, right? And you got to yeah. think a thing Mo and Raven Rogers have those two spots on lock, but anything can happen. And then you look at the 3K on the women. Only three women, El Perrier, Emma Coburn, and Alicia Monson have the standard in the 3K. We're going to see a lot of fast 3Ks indoor for the women mm -hmm. because we just don't have a lot of women with the standard. So one thing that's going to be exciting book. is basically watching indoor mid-distance and distance races to get some standards. I have one question on this before you go to your outdoor standards. Because we all know world indoors a lot of times is just about who shows up of the list of metal contenders let's limit this to metal contenders american metal contenders who would you bet your house on not that they'll win but that they'll show up like which person who's like a legit metal contender do you think will show up at world indoors i mean grant holloway how's my pick he also has the buy. Why is it? What? Oh, is that? Is that why? Wait, why does he have? Oh, because he why. was the, the tour champion. Okay. But why do we both? The question is, is, is it just because he's so good at this? I mean, he's good at outdoor hurdles too. But why yeah. is it that we both associate Grant Holloway with like, he's definitely going to go to uh, Belgrade in March next year. Like, we just pencil that in. He can Here's get the question on I want to know. Travelocity and book it now. Do you think Fred Curley 
will try to make the 60 team. Like, is he really? just so good at trolling us all? Be like, you guys don't think I can do the one. You don't think I can do the two. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the six. Yeah, maybe if he gets enough tweets, he'll he'll do the sixty. Um, I mean, sixty is interesting, though, right? You think? I think Bromel might be a candidate for that, and Bracy yeah. might be a candidate for that as well, too. Yeah, Curly has but, a standard well, because you can get the standard in the hundred or the sixty, and he ran nine eighty four. So. Holloway's the one I feel the most confident about. On the women's side of things, I'm not sure. I, I, yeah, you, I guess you'd say Oliver, right? Because the bye. And Shakari tries, Ashley. right? And Shakari. Yeah, the thing is, the 60 is just so much different than the 100. And I, you look back at LSU, because we all think, man, man, she really sparked, you know, just stormed through her first her first year in college and, and ran that 1075. She made the final in the 60, but I want to say she was 6th or 7th. Let me look it up. No, that's wrong. What was she? Oh, no, 7th. Yes, she was 7th in the 60, which makes sense, right? The stronger part of her race is the second the second half. So I'm not sure. I mean, it'd be great, great to see her out there, obviously, but I don't feel as confident about anybody actually going than, than I do Grant Holloway. And it doesn't even have anything with a buy. You're right. Even if you told me you didn't have a buy, I, just, I feel like Grant Holloway is going to show up for chance to run a 60 meter hurdle race for a gold medal he's gonna be there yeah hey should you do hold on one other question let's get way ahead of ourselves here 2028 world indoors no just kidding should holloway recreate his birmingham feet his ncaa is straightaway double hurdles in the and the flat 60 how about that so he does have the buy in the 60 hurdles so Maybe he he could try to quali- he could try to qualify in the sixty and then do the double at Worlds. That'll be fun. Would you watch that? Would you watch that? I would watch that. I would definitely watch would. that. Would you watch that? Yeah, that's the type of thing that World Indoors needs. That's the yeah. type of storyline that World Indoors needs to have to to make up for the fact that so many people miss it and they don't show up. But. <laughs> Holloway going for the – it's true. I mean, I'm not saying anything people true. don't know. Is people don't people don't show up toward indoors. You don't, and part of it's you don't have the best event. Listen, what's the best event right now in track and field? The 100. No, Gordon. It's four-minute hurdles. Men's and women's four-minute oh, hurdles. Okay. And, that, and that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist at World Indoors. So part of it is just a function of the fact that the meet can't offer the best event. But we would need something like Holloway going for uh, the flat. And hurdle sixty double. That'd be tremendous. Okay, I'll allow you to move so, us on now. The yeah, let's go to let's go to the world outdoor standards. So, who has the standard for the twenty twenty two outdoor championships in Eugene? Uh, the sprints is pretty much again similar. Everyone kind of has the standard that we think should have it, right? You can't really have any mm-hmm. big names off that board yet. I think here you gotta look at the distance events again and the the event to watch will be the men's 5k uh only two men have the standard in the men's 5k that is paul chalimo Mm. and grant fisher they got it in their marks that they ran in tokyo so we're gonna have to see a lot of fast 5ks right gonna see cooper tier out there gotta see woody kincaid obviously a bunch of others notably ben true already has the 10k standard because mm, uh, he big. got it all the way back in February. So Ben True could go one last shot trying to make another outdoor team in the 10K. Um, and then 
the one uh, standard chase that actually matters is the marathon, right? Because the marathon typically is not always setting the top three Americans because they would rather do a, an appearance fee in a fall marathon, mm-hmm. but a marathon in America, you world champs, you may feel like a little more tempted to want to be on the team. Yeah. But right now, our world team for for 2022 would be Martin Herher, Noah Drotti, and Colin Benny. If mm. they were to pick the team today, that's who it would be. Now, obviously, we're going into fall marathon season, and so this list will change and get updated. But as of right now, those three are our uh, our marathoners. Are they kind just going based on Syracuse alum? Yeah, it's just on. Time. Are they just going based? They're not taking like U.S. marathon champ. Is no, the U.S. No, marathon no. champs exist. Okay, just on times. So, all right, memo to memo to Galen Rupp. Better get moving early on in Chicago. Yeah. There. So right now, now the we'll... cutoff to make worlds is two oh nine thirty eight held by Colin Betty. So and then on the women's side. Who are the top three marathon in the women? It is Hall and Sarah Hall, Kier D'Amato, and Kellen Taylor. Uh, mm-hmm. Kellen Taylor, 225-22. So basically right now, last December's marathon project is the trials. It's like how it's yes. functioning. It'll change. Correct. Someone, Someone's going to run faster in the fall. I am... Interested to see if more U.S. athletes run it just because it's in Eugene. I think they will. Why not? Money. Yeah. Money's still an issue with it. But I think it also depends on the athlete. Like, will Kira D'Amato pass up an opportunity to represent Team USA based Mm -hmm. on the journey she's had? I don't think so. Well, I think will Rupp pass up the opportunity to do it? Because I could see Rupp not passing it up because Rupp could be like, this is yeah. my chance to get my first ever gold. Yeah, yeah. In in Oregon, right? It, it's different, yeah. I think. Let's just be – if the world championships were in New York, it'd be a little bit different. I think the, the fact that it's in Oregon, he's just intimately familiar with racing in Eugene on a, like, granular level. And it could be his last chance to win something of significance too. That could be his career-ending run. Like that could be like this is my John Elway try to win a Super Bowl moment. You just, you're just gonna retire getting sense. up like that. I think I think yeah, why not? That would be a perfect way to go out and retire. Retire with the gold medal in your home, in your home state. Oh, it'd be a, it'd be the storybook ending for sure. What else does he need him. to do? He doesn't need to do anything else. He doesn't need to win a. I guess win Boston is the only other thing. To catch Kipchoge, he's got to run one fifty nine thirty nine. <laughs> he wants to catch. Yeah, I don't Kipchoge. think he's doing that. Well, he's, what's he's his? What's he racing for at this point? I mean, to, I guess, greatest American marathoner of all time. Some people think he's already there at that point. I think you get the gold if you, so. You get one that you race at home, in your home country. Then you're running in your home state. You're re- like you're really familiar. Which the marathon, that stuff matters. Temperature, all that stuff matters. And then the third thing is you really have a legitimate shot at a medal because it's the World Championships, and not every country sends their best three. And they're probably thinking to themselves, "Oh, I got to fly all the way across, halfway across the world to run." Just as the United States athletes say that when the World Championships are in London or in Qatar or in Beijing. 
So you could get a weaker field and it becomes a winnable race, but then you still get the title of world champion, which when you end your career and it's on your Wikipedia page, people aren't like, well, actually the world championship marathons aren't as hard as the Olympics or the world marathon majors. Like, shut up. I have a gold medal. I can't hear it. Yeah. This, this gold medal is, is blocking all of your, your nonsense. You have a, you're a world championship gold medalist. Like you are, you are, and you can leave everybody else to quibble and devalue it. But the reality is you're a world championship gold medalist. Yeah, I think it'll be perfect. It's, it's perfect scenario. You get to sleep at home. You get to like, yeah, sleep in yeah. his own house before the race. Like, well, the U.S. Situation. women, the U.S. women would be really interesting too because I mean, all those top women are they may not be from Oregon, but they're used to competing in Oregon because they've gone to Eugene a hundred times because everybody has the United States, and they are deeper than the men, so they could put three women on the line who would have a chance to medal medal yeah the way that u.s women's marathoning is going to i'd like to see it i want to see that race become more like an olympic race with the quality i know that's unrealistic to ask but it's it would be cool to have it at that level well it's definitely going to be treated i think it's going to be treated like an olympic marathon for americans because it's in the u.s i think yeah there's just going to be itching to be a part of that it's not a cool opportunity yeah so that's gonna be a thing to watch and especially this fall because there's not many times to qualify right you're gonna have this fall and then probably the spring like boston london but you'd think you want to get your top mark in these next few months to try to secure a top yeah get it out of the way yeah yeah man standards chasing in the marathon it would be pretty intense just an 11th hour emergency marathon to get you ahead of somebody else. And then meanwhile, <laughs> then someone in, in, in the other side of the country, then one ups you and gets it and you're just devastated. That would be, that'd be tough. Okay. Let's we have two going stop. on at the same time and you don't know That's if true. you're in the lead or not. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's like virtual racing all over again. Um, let's, you want to talk about cross country real quick and then we can end with this, uh, Shakira Richardson, Usain Bolt story. Yeah. So, uh, the, the big guns are now out running. This past weekend was kind of the first weekend of legitimate uh, athletes racing. You know, a lot of times you have like these tempo runs, these time trial type runs where it's a dominant team versus a random D3 school or whatever. No disrespect for D3. I'm a D3 alum. God, I love my D3 athletes. Uh, but the, the marquee event, there were two good races. There's one in Stillwater and one in Tallahassee. Stillwater was a Cowboy Jamboree. We saw... Uh, the newly ranked number one team, NAU, at the time they were number two in my rankings, but now they're number one, uh, go up against uh, number three, Oklahoma State. And NAU won. They beat kind of they beat Oklahoma State easily behind a big three of Abdihamid Nur, Nico Young, Drew Bosley. Um, <clears throat> yeah. There were a bunch of storylines that came out of this race. Number one, uh, so you can see the uh, NAU won 40 to 62. Colorado also ran got 62 points, but got third based on tiebreaker. Texas was in fourth. Tulsa, a top 10 program, kind of was a disappointing fifth. But back to the overall results. Big story here was Isai Rodriguez. He won by like over 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. um, basically, no one wanted to run with him. He, was, he had like a five-second lead after the first 2K, and then that was all she wrote. So Isai definitely trying to show that he's prepared to go up against the Wesley Kip twos, Cooper Tears, uh, Connor Mance, 
to have a chance to win an individual title. Uh, the NAU guys kind of held back, ran well with Eduardo Herrera. Um, and you look at NAU has a big situation. They have to replace two top 10 guys in Blaise Farrow and Luis Corhalva because all the other schools return everyone except for NAU. So NAU is going to be looking at Drew Bosley to run basically mm-hmm. the way he ran in 2019, which so far he's looking good here as a strong number three man. And George yeah. Kush, who finished 13th in this race, he's a transfer from New Mexico, uh, not New Mexico, from Nebraska. He's a Big yeah. Ten. He won the Big Ten XC champs, but then finished 200th at NCAAs. So if Mike Smith can find a way to get George Kush to run like the Big Ten champ and be a solid number four runner for NAU, it's going to be hard for you know Notre Dame or Oklahoma State or Colorado or any of these teams to beat NAU once again. Which is they're going for what number five in six years? Is that what this is, or four yes. in six years? No, it'd be five. Hold no, on. before. Yeah, no, they got four. Well, they already have four. Okay, yeah, I came. I'm losing track of how many they've won. So this is number five they're going for. The year 16, you followed them. Yeah. The, the year you followed them would have been four, right? Yeah, they going yeah, for four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm losing track. Yeah, so screwed, they're going for number you five. Screwed it up. You jinxed it. Screwed it up. Screwed it up for them. And then they lost, but then they got their fourth in five years, so this would be five and six. Okay, what about the women? Uh, women, if you go to the Florida State uh, meet, Travis. Uh, sorry, I should have prepared, Travis. Just uh, PT timing. And you can find it. Anyway, BYU women, they uh, one-handedly in Florida State. Um, and we don't need to show the results, but BYU women dominated at Florida State. NC State women... They swept their home meet. Caitlin Tui won. Mm-hmm. Um, their Hannah Steelman was like their number five runner, and I looked at Steelman yeah. as like a top ten runner. So, a top ten runner is number five on your team. That's a good sign um, or a bad sign because you could say maybe they're not as good. Regardless, here's the uh, BYU results. So yeah, they scored twenty four points against the Florida State and Furman team. Stanford yeah. ran a B team, so that's why they finished all the way down in fifth. But yeah, we're starting to see some runners, you know, come out. Whitney Orton back on top uh, as kind of leading the BYU women. The the, the rate the, it's going to be a dual meet out there on the women's side. No disrespect to the other twenty nine teams, but BYU and NC State are just so much better than the rest of the field that it's Hold just going to be one v one, two v two, three v three, BYU and NC State. Oh. Wait, 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 What happened to the team you talked about last week as a sleeper? Well, they are a sleeper, but they're a sleeper for they're still they're sleeping. They're a sleeper. Alabama, yeah. you're already counting them out. You counted them in. Counted. Just put them in. No, no, I'm, they're they're asleep. They, it, it's going to require the dual meet to have an explosion, and they both fail, and then Alabama comes in and takes the victory flag. You know, so basically, eight, the the yeah. whole race needs to be the, like the last one k of last year's race, where it was just a complete pandemonium and people were yeah. losing 120 spots in a k. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but, but you, you're 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 gearing up for BYU. You're gearing up for BYU versus NC State, the women's side. You think those two are on a collision course? Yeah. Ninety. I I have a feeling that ninety. There's a ninety percent chance the top two teams are BYU and NC State in whatever okay. order. 90%. They'll and probably go I'm up to sure. 98% after the rest of the season goes through. 
Right now, 90% chance it's BYU and NC State. So BYU is interesting, right? Because you got Anna Camp, who who was farther down for them, uh, but she's going to be fine. She'll she'll turn turn into the same runner that she's she's been for a while. She's NCAA champ now. You have Orton, who I feel like I've picked to win an NCAA title like six different times throughout her yeah. career, but she's clearly back. She's good. I know she had injuries last year, and then uh, they're they're. Three four. If it is if it is Orton and Camp, their three four is really solid there as well too. But then on the NC side, NC State side, Tui running that well, I think is a, just a huge boost for them. And then you get you're right, Steelman running like a top ten runner. This is gonna be clo- it's gonna be close again. I feel like I don't think it's gonna be more than you know ten points separating those two. Yeah, and then they're gonna run they're gonna run fast. They're gonna run a low scoring too because yeah. I think the number five runners of both of those teams finish like fortieth. So they're going to all put their top five in the, in the All-American slot. And it's just going to be a matter of finishing 22nd versus 26th or 17th versus 21st. All those little plus minus four points here and there is going to be the difference for these two teams. On the high school so, yeah. side of things, we don't normally dive into high school cross country on this show, but... When news it. comes out, when the news comes out that Nico Young is no longer the fastest member of his family, we have to report it because his brother Leo Young from Newberry Park broke his course record at Woodbridge over the weekend in Southern California, running thirteen thirty-eight, which beat Nico's mark by about a second. He's got another brother, Lex, who ran thirteen forty-four. Maybe Nico's the third stick in the Young family when all is said and done. Because you got Leo Young, 1338, Nico Young, 1339. Uh, these are the all-time marks. And then Lex Young in fourth at 1344. It's all Newberry Park all the time. The VO2 max in that family is off the charts, Gordon. So, yeah, Leo, Nico, and Lex, the, the Young trio. I was trying to think, like, what are the odds that Leo or Lex run better than what Nico is? Because while they are breaking Nico's high school marks, I think it's different. High school, there's so much, you know, it's different coaching, all that stuff. Like, Nico's now running 1324 in the 5K, finishing top five as a freshman in cross. Do you think Mm -hmm. there is a scenario where Leo, or Lex, because they're both breaking his records when they're juniors. They're not even seniors, right? So they're doing yeah. it one year earlier than Nico did. Do you think there's a scenario where Leo or Lex will be better than what Nico is right now? Yeah, there's absolutely a scenario. I think the younger sibling have has a bit of an advantage because they see what the older sibling does. They lay down the marker, and then they're able to to surpass it. So maybe that speaks more to the two younger brothers being better in high school, um, getting better quicker, and then sustaining it's going to be the challenge. I mean, Nico's out of this world, and you're like, oh, I hate to just assume that everybody from their family is going to be good just because they have the same name and the same parents. But dude, you're in 1338 in a three-mile cross-country race. What other conclusion can you draw? Like That's just, just insane. Um, that program clearly is just, I mean, it's like a how many college programs do you think Newberry Park could beat? I mean, what are we doing here? Here's the question. 
Who of you have Leo? You have you have Leo. You have Lex. And you have Nico. Who yep. is Philip? Who is Henrik? And who is Jakob? If this, if they are the Ingebrigtsens, yeah. Who is who is the Philip? Who is the Henrik? And who is a Jakob? Not just to age, but like this is basically me saying Jakob clearly is the best Ingebrigtsen. Philip mm-hmm. was the second best Ingebrigtsen, and Henrik is the third best. So, yeah, I know yeah. you shouldn't be t- predicting how you know seventeen and sixteen year olds are going to be when they're twenty five, but we're doing it anyway. If you had a say, which one? Who's the Jakob right now? Are you willing to say Nico is still because in the beginning Nico yeah. was Jakob, right? But has yeah, Lex but the more young brothers up- I meet, the more. <laughs> The more young brother, it's just with the Ingebrigtsens, the more that you dig, the more you discover, they just somehow get better. It, so it's interesting you brought that up because Ingebrigtsen's dad was basically saying he didn't have any distance running background, apparently, the dad, right? But he was coaching him. And he basically said, we were just, we were trying stuff out with Henrik. And then we tinkered it more with Philip. And then by the time we got to Jakob, we had the perfect training formula to get him where he needs to be now i don't think that's the situation with with the youngs because they've been in a very serious training environment for a long time i mean i was just because i've seen nico you know run top five and in civil cross and i know how hard that is i'll stick with him being Jakob for now or the peyton manning in this brother combo but i don't i mean i reserve the right to change that if like leo runs eight thirty for two miles or something in the spring we're just dealing with insane levels of talent and high school you know running in general distance running is just off the charts like these all-star meets are incredibly competitive now so and it's just getting more competitive i don't know it's hard it's hard to say it's hard to say any one of these kids is not going to turn out to be phenomenal because they just need to Stay where they're at. And also, here's the thing. The younger brothers, you know, they have the older brother who puts these marks out there, gives them something to chase. But it also gives a little bit of perspective of like, hey, guys, high school's not everything. Like, you need is you need if you want to be competitive in college, right? They see their brother become an All-American, run top five in his first year. They know that the world is bigger than just high school, which I think is going to help them as well, too. But they went to that same high school. Maybe it's going to be pretty similar. The trajectory from all of them. I mean, if they go to all go to NAU too, they'll have had the same high school coach and the same same college coach, and maybe it's just going to be a few seconds here or there. I don't. know. Are you prepared to give them give one of them the title of Jakob? No, I'm not prepared. I just wanted to bring it up as a thought exercise. But what I am already now starting to think about is I'm not sure how much these brothers like each other, but could there be a situation? Where the, these two brothers, Leo and Lex, are like, hey, we want to go to NAU. And because, you know, the extra year of eligibility, they're all still there. Do you think we could see three young brothers on the same cross-country team at NAU running at the same time? Mm-hmm. They're twins, That'd be kind of wild. Well. Like I... Have we ever seen three brothers all on the same team on a cross-country team? Like, I don't know. That's, Someone did research happen. that's happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to the, the, the USTFCCCA. We'll we'll have that stat by the end of the day. I'm sure. Send it our way, guys. Um, 
Yeah, I like how you started that with, I don't know if they like each other. Let's just assume that they do. Let's just preach harmony and unity here and, and hope that they all, I mean, they go to the same high school. They train together in the exact same event. I wouldn't want to go to college brother? with my brother. There might be. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go to, you. would you want to go to college with your brother? I wouldn't. I don't know. No, but it, I think it's a little different when you're when your brother is going to go to the best distance running school in the nation, and you're a distance runner, and you also want to go. True. I mean, I wasn't the same age. I, we had we had an age difference, just like you had an age difference. I think it's a little different. Yeah, they're more seen as peers. It's it's easier to be their buddy if I mean you're they're literally twins. So yeah, that's uh, true. I think the triple young thing. Well, the the question will be: Is Nico going to be? By the way. Uh, talk about the conversation Mike, Mike Smith will not like all this. So I think Nico will be pro and these two guys will be, we're just forecasting wildly into the future there. I just wanted, I want a story. Like, I want to know the whole, like what mom and dad do. Right. Genet genetics wise here. This is fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of similar to like the McGordy family, right? Uh, mm -hmm. There's three McGordys. Sean obviously um, turned out to be the the best of the three. Uh, but Brandon was pretty good. He went to Stanford, and yeah. then I forget the other one's name. He went to like William and Mary. But yeah, there's or the, something or about the Borleys. Borleys, yeah. Um, there was I forget uh, Millers. There's like the Miller twins. Uh, that's a little long. It's like 15 years ago, but they went to Syracuse and Wisconsin. The Miller twins. You remember the Rosas? Rosas, yeah, Rosas. They went to Stanford. Yeah. 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 But it should be different if it's like three all on the same team. We've seen twins on the same team. We've seen brothers on the same team. We've seen sisters on the same team. But mm -hmm. have we seen three siblings on the same team of the same gender? Yeah, and if they continue where they're at, have we ever seen three in the top three? I'm not saying that's going to no. happen. I'm gonna go with no on that one. All right, congrats. That'll be kind of cool. Congrats, congrats. That'll be kind of cool. Enjoy, just no pressure. Enjoy high school. Enjoy, yeah, high, enjoy school. high school. Yeah. Don't don't. We should stress out about this. Stop thinking about the 2025 yeah. cross country championships. We don't even know where they're going to be located. Yeah. So don't you don't we don't need to worry about where you're going to be. Yeah. All I know is Gordon will definitely be there at them. Uh, do you want to do you want to close with this Shakari and Bolt story? Or do you want to save it for tomorrow? Save it for tomorrow. I mean for Wednesday. Save it for Wednesday. Oh, yeah, Wednesday. I'm sorry. All right. You sure? Yeah, send us emails. Okay. Okay. The track season's over. So yeah, if you have things yeah. you, we, you, that we haven't talked about yet, let us know. Send us an email, mm -hmm. Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, You've been checking it? Us. Have you been checking the inbox? Occasionally. Sometimes. Yeah, a few. Oh, there's a, good, there's a good field event one that I said I was going to get to. All right, Wednesday, we'll do that. Yeah. We'll read emails. We'll, we'll do the stories that we haven't covered. And then we'll um, maybe start talking about Berlin marathons, maybe a little bit on the marathon side of things, whatever else pops up. Thanks to Colt. That's the music plan. Good job, Colt. It's on top of things. Thanks to Travis. It's like, I got to get out of here. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching live on YouTube. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.